Welcome to Cheer Up Ed, the podcast, guy. <laughs> this is gonna be fun. One. This is gonna be cool. Look, we're here to have fun. We're here to have a good time. This is your new favorite shit. This is your new favorite. Remember, don't be a bummer, okay? Let's do this. What's up, Cubs? You're listening to episode 21 of my podcast, Cheer Up, Babe. This is your host, VJ Julio. This is episode 21, and this is the My Face is a City episode. This is the episode where my face is New York City, my face is Minneapolis, my face is downtown San Francisco because it's congested and I hate it. So you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to put up with the fact that I sound like I drank three glasses of milk. And I apologize. I apologize. And I promise you one thing. If I hack or cough or go, (laughs) other than that one right there, I'm going to cut it all out. So you don't have to worry about that. You just have to deal with me sounding like I just got done chain smoking Marlboro Reds. You have to just be okay with the fact that I sound like I've been sitting in some sort of downstairs bar somewhere that allows smoking in some small town where there's like a red theme going around on the walls and we got some random girl who's in a sparkly dress singing sultry tones over a piano. Okay, that's just what I sound like. I sound like I am the bouncer at a downstairs bar. I sound like I'm New York City. My face is a city. My face is a city. Like the one fucking rapper, the one fucking really popular who sings, I'm the face of my city. To lyrics, my face is a city. My face is a city, not co-signed by Diddy. My face is a city, co-signed by the fact that I've been sick for four days. So, just like New York, it's congested and I hate it. Welcome to episode 21, babe. I'm really glad you're here. Thank you for checking in. My wife says she likes this voice, which let's just take out a post-it note, write down original voice and tack that on the let's give vj a complex wall so i was like god i hate the way my voice sounds she's like i'm not gonna lie i like it and i'm like yeah as opposed to the original as opposed <laughs> just be <laughs> just immediately snap into some sort of oversensitive defensive fucking asshole <laughs> she was like i like it and i was like yeah you want me to run you through some scenarios you want me to do some bedroom talk with this voice And she was like, sure. And I said, no, immediately regret that decision. Because then when my voice is fixed and I don't sound like I've been goggling a cock and I return back to my normal speaking voice and we're we're in the bedroom and we're fooling around and I use one of my lines. I mean, Jesus, what am I? Some sort of fucking college script. (laughs) I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it unconfidently because I'm going to say I'm going to be like she she's going to wish that it was this voice. She's going to wish that it was this voice right here. And here's the thing. It's going to throw all of my timing off for the podcast. I just know that. I thought about it the last three days. I was like, my timing on the podcast is going to be all fucking off. My jokes are not going to hit because you know that when I go for a point or I try to be sarcastic, I get really, really high pitch. And who knows? Maybe it'll clear up as we talk and then I could get to a high point. That's what my high, this is what my high pitch sounds like right now. Like I ate three fucking sleeves of Oreo and drank three glasses of milk. Anyways, I digress. How you doing, Cubs? I hope you guys are ready for another great week. I hope you guys are just, you had a peaceful weekend. If you didn't, that's okay. That's why you're here. 
but I hope that you're just settling in, ready to start your week off great. Get cozy and comfy for me. Episode 21, we're legal drinking age now. Time to get fucking, time to get shithoused essentially. I would take, I want you to, even if it's 8 a.m., I want you to take a shot for me. Okay, take a shot right now. Go to your secret cabinet, open it up, pull out the fireball that's been in there for four years, pour yourself a shot, and then you're going to get a cozy, comfy hoodie on or some sort of, you know, parka or throw blanket that you could just drape over yourself. Your grandma crocheted it for you. It's been downstairs in storage. Go grab it, put it around your shoulders. If you have a child or any other thing that requires your responsibility, lock it in a closet. Okay. Current partners included in that. All right. Now, if you have a partner that you don't have to necessarily take care of and wipe their ass, tell them, shut the fuck up. You don't feel like talking. This is your hour. This is either your hour to get ready for your day. You're listening to this while you're driving to work. You're listening to this while you're cranking it out in the gym, which don't know why I said cranking it out. In the, don't masturbate in gyms. That's my PSA when I run for president in four years. That's my platform. I'm going to say VJ Julio 2024. I'm running as independent against Trump, and my platform is don't masturbate in the gym, okay? But, you know, you're in the gym right now. You're just hitting those reps, and I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Look at you working on your body. You see my shirt? I got my I got my body dysmorphia shirt on. Shout out Annie Letterman. I got my body positivity shirt. Dude, I'm the most body positive person you're ever going to meet. I'm so body positive. I'm the most body positive person on the planet. I'm so positive that my body is a body. I'm sure of it. I'm so sure that my body is an actual body. I'm positive about it. That's how body positive I am. You know what I'm saying? I know for sure without a fact that when I was born, I had a body and I'm positive about it. So I'm the most body positive person you're ever going to meet. But I love the shirt. It's super duper cozy. It's super duper fucking funny. And it's about body dysmorphia, which I slightly have, which I know is kind of an egregious statement coming from me. But listen, everyone wakes up with everyone wakes up with mental issues. Everyone wakes up with a mental blockage about their own physical appearance. Some days I wake up and I go, what were you cast out of marble? What are you steel wrapped in leather? And some days I wake up and go, why does this exist? Why, if you're looking at me from the back at a 32 and a half degree angle, like how I would look at myself in the mirror, do I look like I'm 65 years old? And right now, if you're just clicking and you don't know, you don't know what I look like, you don't know what my body looks like. If you're an old time person, you know that I've, I was shirtless from age 15 to age 27 and I'm 28 now because I'm a grown ass man and I'm a dad. So I don't just take my shirt off everywhere. You don't know what my body looks like, so you can't judge it. But just be positive, be body positive with me. Be positive that my body is a body and be pod, be body positive about yourself. Be positive that your body is a body. It exists. It's a hundred percent there. I promise. <laughs> Jack fucking Harlow. That's the name of the fucking kid who sings that my face is a city. <laughs> I'm the face of my city. Dude, I should fucking definitely put out a rap album or a singing album with this voice. And then when I step on stage in my normal voice, it's all like, hi, God damn it. I can't even do my fucking normal voice right now. Whatever. But I should put out some sort of like rap song. Dude, I love rap music. I've always loved rap music. It's always been kind of my, it's always been kind of my go-to. It's always been kind of my vibe. I remember growing up, my parents were like, no, you don't, we don't listen to that shit. Okay, because it's the, it's the old school adage of whatever music the kids are playing, 
is bad music. Kind of like how Cardi B sings about sucking dick or whatever. No, I'm sorry. She talks about how wet her pussy is. Kind of how Cardi B sings about that. And I think about like, okay, there's nine-year-old girls who know every word to this song and I don't like it. I've crossed that threshold. I've crossed the threshold of where all music sucks. But my parents were 110% like that because there was a big shift in the music industry when we were kids. Right, babe? If you're mid-20s to early 30s, there was a big fucking shift in the music industry when we were coming up. Rap was hitting fucking hard. There was Biggie Smalls and all that shit. And I was never allowed to listen to any of it. They were like, no, this is Ario Speedwagon. Enjoy. No, this is Brooks and Dunn. Memorize every word. And I did. But then I remember we were living in the first house that we moved to in American Falls. And we, you kids aren't going to know what the fuck this means. But there used to be like albums that we would keep our CDs in. Okay, so CDs are these discs that you would have to put into a player and press play if you wanted to listen to that artist's songs. You couldn't just stream it through the fucking clouds. All right. You couldn't just go to your fucking phone and play literally every song that's ever been created. You had to either go to a store and buy it or illegally download it and crash your parents' computer. So my dad had this CD album and it was full and it was, you know, the classics. And when I say the classic, I mean more Brooks and Dunn. There was some Toby Keith in there for sure. If we were in that house, I had to be younger than seven. So I was probably around five years old, six years old. And I found Will Smith's Big Willie style. That was my opening to the hip hop game, which is what I would like to call a light opening. That was like the first time drinking a beer and I drank a White Claw. That would be like this, the equivalent of that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That would be like drinking for the first time and drinking two drinks of a White Claw. That's what opening up your rap knowledge with Will Smith's Big Willie style was like. You might be like, well, if your dad hated that music, why did he have that CD? Because they had one song on there called Just the Two of Us. And for some reason, it hit home. And obviously, it's 1997. You can't just download it. So you have to buy the whole goddamn album. I guarantee before I found that CD, not one song got played other than just the two of us on there. But that was my opening to rap. And then I was like, fuck yeah, let's go. And my wife, I feel like, had the same upbringing as me in terms of she was never into the rap music game. Never. And... When we met, I was big time into the rap music game. And when I say I was big time into the rap music game, I mean I was into the mainstream shit. Like I knew every Eminem song. You know what I'm saying? I knew all that. I knew 50 Cent in the club. What's up? Grills by Paul Wall all fucking day. All fucking day. Nelly? I should put a Band-Aid on my face. I was into all that shit. And my wife was a Bon Jovi type of gal. And right now you're thinking... Are we furthering the plot that your wife is way out of your league? Yeah, but we do that every episode, so it is what it is. But when we met up, there was just no no music. And I've mentioned this earlier on, you know, no music link up until we found Matchbox 20. But there was this like arg- argument, not argument. There was a there was like a talk that we had where I was like, do you like any fucking rap songs? Do you like any? Name me one rap song besides an Eminem song or the Cupid Shuffle. Name me one. And she was like, I know a rap song. And I was like, okay, let's hear it. And I was being super duper condescending. So she got she got a little snippy, like, I'm going to show you, motherfucker. And she played 
Hooligan by Big B. And I had never heard that song before because nobody's ever heard that song before. If you're listening to this and you've heard that song before, congratulations. Because I had never heard of Big B, thank God, before this moment. Now, she put on Big B and she rapped it front to back. The song itself, it kind of slaps. I'm not going to lie to your face. I'm not going to say like, no, Big B is trash. Well, Big B as a person, I don't know what he is as a person. We'll talk about him in a second. But Big B put out Hooligan. And the hook is, I am what I am and that's all that I am. I am what I am. Mama Hooligan. Hooligan. And then he spits bars and it's like, I'm waking up at like 7 in the morning. And I can't remember the next line, so I don't know why I use that as an... uh, uh, an example, but you know, there is one line that I really like, like late night fist fights, half pipes and dirt bikes. Yo, I love them all. So they label me an outlaw. My wife, uh, grew up redneck as fuck in a very small town. Now I grew up also in a small town, but with some sort of fucking God complex. So I wasn't necessarily a redneck, but my wife grew up around dirt bikes as in raced dirt bikes, went to mud bogs, My wife's a bad bitch, dude. Do you think that I got married young because I found some average ass hoe? No. I found a bad bitch that was willing to hold it down that I was like, that's it. But of course she knows front to back. The only rap song she knows front to back is the one that has the line like late night fist fights, half pipes and dirt bikes. Yo, I love them all. So they label me an outlaw. Of course, my wife has that entire song memorized front to back. Now, while she was rapping it, we were in the car when this conversation happened and that's where she played it for me. I was hype as fuck. I was so hyped as fuck that it was one of those, it it established itself as a core memory in my brain. I was like, this is a thing that I will never forget. And now, sometimes when I feel like being a silly little bitch, I put on Hooligan and I make my wife rap it and it's my favorite shit. I've heard it plenty now. Here's my favorite part about the Hooligan song. So when you just search Hooligan by Big B, The song pops up that's just the album cover. It's just the album cover of the song. If you scroll a couple videos down on the YouTubes, there's a music video. And this music video was put out in 2006, and it's so 2006, shot on a camcorder, they got at a thrift store. They went to a local pawn shop, and they said, I'll trade you this pinky ring for this VCR camcorder. And the pawn shop said, deals on wheels and then they took that I'm sorry they took that he took that and he set it up precariously around his home he asked his uncle if he could borrow his car and he shot different sequences this is this was like oh god my song took off I better hurry up and put out a music video and I'm gonna ask nobody to help me with it I'm gonna ask nobody and it here's the thing his rapping style not verbally, visually. Now, Big B, naturally, picture him. He's a white guy, has a bunch of tattoos, not fat shaming, 80 pounds overweight. And his, you know how when thugs rap, they're all fucking like, they use their hands to get their body involved. And they're just like, mm, mm, spitting that shit. I'm VJ Julio and I'm legit. Will Smith was my first opening into the rap game, don't judge that bar, okay? Not a freestyle artist. Not a freestyle artist. I mean, I could spit lines on you, 
but I won't because you come here for escapism and not to get sick. So, but his rapping style with his hands is my, uh, there's probably like 11 things I love about this music video. It's in the top three. He has resting velociraptor hands. So his, even when he's not using his hands to rap and he's just resting them, he's resting in his wrist. I think that he tore his forearm muscle on the top of his arm so his he doesn't have flexion. He can't flex his hand up and it just dangles there. And then when he raps, he tucks his elbows in and he only moves his hands like that. He just kind of moves his hands in front of his belly or just kind of like he like chops down, you know, kind of like an ostrich will kick down with their leg. That's his, that's his hands while he's rapping, but there's no, there's no strength behind it. He's not like sturdy at all. Not a single thing about this guy says sturdy, but he's loosey goosey with it, but it's not cool, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that's his rapping style. So when it cuts to him rapping, it's just kind of like all up in here. Okay. He's a little shrugged up. Now the music video itself, dude, you know what I'm going to try? I'm going to try to just First of all, you're going to love this song. You're going to love this song. You're going to be like, I should download this. And you should support support my boy Big B. But after you listen to the song, after you have an initial taste for the music, then go watch the music video because we're going to rip it apart. And I don't want that to be your first impression. Let the song be your first impression. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try for as long as I can to tell you the cuts that are happening in the music video because he uses sequences that don't match the words that are being said, but he only uses them a half second at a time. So it's like cut, 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 cut. There's no rhyme or reason. And it's the best fucking thing on the planet. All right. Hooligan by Big B. By the way, obviously he has a car that's on the fucking, you know, the lifters, the fucking suspension. It has a suspension that you do the little flip of the switches that can do the bouncing thing. I know the word for it. Can't think of the word for it. Continue on. But I feel like he went to his uncle and he asked him if he could borrow his car for the music video. And his uncle was like, yep. Driving down the road. Oh, dice in the mirror, of course. Sitting in front of the car. Okay, that's my favorite part. Okay, so you can tell about these camera shots that he just set the camera down on the ground. (laughs) You don't got a homie that can do some sort of pivot action around the car while you rap at him? Because he sat the camera down on the ground and then in front of the car. So it's looking at the grill of the car. And then he sat down on the ground in front of the car. And you might be asking yourself, well, did he like hit a cool sitting position? Is he, is he sitting strong? Like, is he posted up? Nope. He's sitting on his butt and his legs are straight out in front of him like this. And he's leaned against the car, not with his elbow or anything, just kind of resting. And one hand's doing this while he raps. Okay. Okay, another part is I I guess I was mistaken. <laughs> I guess I was mistaken when I initially said that he traded his pinky ring for a VCR camcorder. Listen, he's on his grind. He's doing his thing. I get it. But he must have traded it for two camcorders because the framing is different. <laughs> so some shots are the full screen. 
And then some shots are a square. There's no flow. There's no, the, the screen changes, the screen changes. All right, Big B, I'm going to try to stop interrupting you. You go ahead and do your thing, big dog. Ask yourself, I know I just said I wasn't going to interrupt. Ask yourself if he has a backward snapback on with a flat bill and it's slightly askew. Ask yourself that question before I answer it. Ask yourself, okay, based off of the initial lead into the song, he is a large white guy covered in tattoos that borrowed his uncle's car for the music video. And he's singing about being a hooligan. Is his hat on fucking backwards and slightly askew? If you ask yourself that question and you said yes, congratulations. That's white people rapping in the early 2000s for 200 Alex. You just got $200. I'm proud of you, babe. Okay, take it away, Big B. Alarm clock. Sitting in front of the car. Playing skee-ball. Sitting in front of the car. Sitting in the car. Walking around his house in his underwear. Standing on the side of the car. There's a dirt bike. On a treadmill for some on a treadmill for some reason. <laughs> Dude. Okay. So that cut was he's on a treadmill in his house. In his so there was a cut where he's just like it's kind of walking. It was a half a second there where he's just walking through the middle of his house and he's in his underwear and socks. And then it cut to a dirt bike or something. And then it cut to him on a treadmill. And the treadmill is at a two. The treadmill's at a two. He's walking, but he's he's holding the handles on the front of the treadmill, and he's leaning completely over the handles. So it's like it's a labored walk. Like I I feel like it's the position you would be in if you had just got done walking uphill for an hour, and then you just needed a rest. But he's in his underwears and socks and his underwear, and it's the first time he ever turned on the treadmill for sure. But I still keep it raw. Playing pool. He's in khakis wearing a belt with his backwards hat on and he's doing curls with tens in the mirror. And you might be thinking, yeah, he's trying to be funny. He's trying to be funny. Nothing about the rest of the cutscenes leads to a comedy music video. Okay. It's dead Siri. He's like, I wrote, I wrote this dope ass track. All right, I wrote this dope-ass song, and I got to put out some sick-ass fucking music videos so the streets know not to fuck with me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to show that I'm, I'm waking up early in the morning. You know, I fucking, I get my workout in on the treadmill. I hit my curls in my mirror, but the mirror is set on the wall high, so the mirror cuts off at about my chest. So, and I also curl, I curl up to my shoulder, but I also kind of keep it away from my body, and I curl up above my head. So I turn it into a half shoulder press after I curl it, but I never actually complete a rep. And then I put it in my music video about being a hooligan. Hold on, we're going to go back so you guys can appreciate this. Now... Keep in mind while we break this down, my wife knows every fucking word, okay? Okay, he has a his facial hair we'll talk about that for a second okay 
so you know, if you're not a bald eagle gal down there, you know, if you're not a girl that, you know, trims her shit up into the bald eagle, what do you go to? I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three, landing strip, right? This guy has it on his chin. I will say, bars. Hooligan by Big B, bars. Okay, back to the hook. This is my favorite fucking music video of all time. Okay. Sitting back in front of the car. Hands still just... Oh, has a CD player on his lap for some reason. Driving down the strip of Las Vegas. Oh, 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 oh. Mesh. Okay. After he says baggy pants, he takes his hat that's pretty, stays pretty static on his head in the backwards, slightly askew position. But in order to emphasize the baggy pants line, I felt like, I guess that was a really hard line that he needed to emphasize for. He took the hat and it was like this. And he went in baggy pit. He went like this, and then he went like that. He did it in one motion. It was slightly askew. The front was slightly pointed to the left, like this. And he said, okay. Now, he could have went from this side, and it would have just been a quick little angle change. But he went all the way around his head because he's saucing on you bitches. He's saucing on you bitches like that, and you just can't even appreciate it. You know what? Out of respect for Big B... My hat's staying like this for the rest of the fucking episode because homie's a fucking thug and I'm trying to get a little more game. I can't put the headphones on when my hat's like that. <laughs> We're having fun, babe. We're having fun. Okay. Oh, it's a hard life to live, but nothing's changed ever since I was a kid. So a fuck is something that I still don't get. Mm. Maybe it's in my genes. Maybe I was born to be spiteful and mean. But whatever it is, I wouldn't change a thing. Oh. It's all about living life in the fast lane. Mm. I am Oh, that was the end of the verse. Okay, that was the end of the verse. Now, I will say that the second verse is not as strong as the first verse as a rap mogul connoisseur myself i will say that the second verse didn't hold strong through the middle and then just ended it just ended usually you want to hit it usually want to hit it with a punch but that one just and we'll, we'll appreciate that one more time oh it's a hard life we live but nothing's changed ever since i was a kid so what fuck is something that i still don't get mm. maybe it's in my genes maybe i was born to be spiteful and mean but whatever it is i wouldn't change a thing it's all about living life in the fast lane isn't he supposed to rhyme something with fast lane right there to complete the bar to complete the line, shouldn't he said, it's all about living life in the fast lane. I love a bad bitch with some damn good brain. See, I got Cardi B vibes in my brain right now. I also feel like my voice is, oh, dude, we're getting a little bit higher. See, the voice is loosening up. Thank goodness. So, didn't finish the second verse, just said, fuck it. I wonder if this guy's a hooligan, though. Like, I wonder if he's, like... Now 
I'm done. Okay, we we made our point. Look at that guy just crushing the fucking game, though, for real. In 2006, just really, like, brought it home. That has 1.4 million views. So, I mean, he's doing it right. He's doing it right. If anyone's doing it, if anyone's doing it right, it's the guy that uh, is looking for the next sorry fuck he can muscle. You know? If anyone's doing it right, it's that guy. And that's the first song my wife ever rapped at me. So... Oh, fuck. I love it. I love it so much. It's the funniest shit. God, my wife fucking cracks me up. God, I fucking hate rap music. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I am what I am. I'm a hooligan. But whatever. Good for that guy. I hope Big B's doing well. You know what? Let's look. Let's pay him the respect of looking at if he did good stuff with his exposure. If he did good stuff with his exposure, I want to say, now listen, I just dogged him for his entire music video. Even Keel, we want to make sure that the karma is nice and linear. We are going to break apart what he did in the follow-up. And who knows? I hope, I hope that after I look this up, I'm sitting back on my ass and I go, oh, wow. Good for him. That's fucking awesome. First off, we got to find out what his actual name is because I don't think his birth name is Big B. I'm shooting at the hip, from the hip there. But... I mean, homie's got a wiki, wiki page. He's got a wiki page, Vincent, or does he have a Wikipedia page? He has a Wikipedia page having a brain aneurysm. Brian Mahoney, born in 1972, best known by his stage name, Big B, is an American rapper currently signed with Suburban Noise Records. Ask yourself if noise is spelled with a Z. Good job. As a solo artist, along with Johnny Necro, he performs vocals in the rap in the rap rock band OPM, which is also signed with Subnoise. OPM. I feel like I actually know who that is. I feel like I've heard of them before. Hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll find that out in a second. So he's 48. He lives in Vegas. And he's currently active. The Cottonmouth Kings. I do know who the Cottonmouth Kings are. They're fucking bosses. Met Big B through freestyle motocross events. DJ Bobby B, D-Lock, and Richter occasionally met Twitch. Oh, I loved Twitch. Scummy Mets and Dawes, who were good friends with Big B. Biggie, Bobby B, Lock and... Okay, that's... Hold on. Let's see what he does afterwards. Let's see. The suburban noise outlaw will continue to expand his career and push musical boundaries while also staying true to his underground roots. With touring already planned alongside groups such as The Expendables, Everlast, and Cottonmouth Kings, Big B also plans to remain a road dog and bring his high-energy live show to fans across the globe. The hard-hitting lyricism and... Anthemic choruses and catchy guitar-infused beats of this record will captivate fans of such diverse artists as Eminem to Sublime and Unwritten Law to Willie Nelson. I'm sorry. Is this Wikipedia page saying that his demo is going to captivate fans from Eminem to Willie Nelson? We're going to look at the discography of Big B. Oh, dude. Big B dropped some heat in 2020 and you bet your sweet fucking ass we're gonna look that up right now big b in the felons club dropped an album called welcome to the club they did a full album string 
streamed 46 minutes and 34 seconds one year ago, sitting at 12,000 views. But there is a song called San Felipe Views, which is the first one that popped up that has 82,000 views from that album. And let's see what that does. Let's see what he dropped. Watch it goes. I am what I am and that's all that I am. I am what I am. I'm San Felipe Blues. <laughs> okay. Rocking with it. Hmm. This is fucking sick. Okay, I do gotta say, now he is 47 years old. He did a good job. Because he has the full beard look now. He looks like a stud. I'm gonna say, Big B in 2020 fixed his appearance he doesn't have the backwards slightly askew hat on anymore and obviously that hook there that guy that sounds slightly like johnny cash fucking hits i gotta say i like the song i will listen to the rest of it later so big b shout outs to you dude i like the fact that you didn't stop grinding and you're just a fucking hustler you're just a fucking road dog and you're doing what you love and you're repping and we all you know have our embarrassing 2006 story. So I appreciate, honestly, this is genuine, that at the time you were crushing it and doing the best you could. I mean, it has 1.4 million views. You did a fucking great job. And Hooligan, I'm not even going to lie, I enjoy the song. I enjoy the song. And the fact that your music adapted to stuff like that, that's some, that's some shit that's you staying true to yourself. I like that. I like that, dude. I mean, and you were doing all that when I was 13 years old. So, fuck am I doing? You know what I was doing? Learning how to jack off. I was looking at tits on the internet when I was 13, okay? I was crashing my parents' laptop and saying that LimeWire is a way to order groceries on the internet. So, what the fuck am I saying? You were killing it, getting 1.4 million views in 2006, and I was illegally downloading things onto my parents' home computer. So you win. You win. You did a great job. Also, your new look, keep it. You look like a stud. Proud of you, dude. Fuck yeah. All right, babe. We got to continue on with the My Face is a Fucking City episode. And I'm going to hit you with the fucking right hook. My baby girl took her first steps this week. Yeah. Don't you dare fucking roll your eyes about the fact that I'm talking about my daughter again. My daughter took her first steps this week. And I was there for it. You know how big of a fear it is of mine, the fact that I work seven days a week, that I'm going to miss out on shit. The fact that I literally work every single day, the only stress that it causes me is that I'm going to miss things and I got to be there for my daughter's first steps this week. And we got it on video. And we got it on video because she's been doing the stand-up fucking thing forever, just lifting shit over her head, showing off, which I'm all about that. All about that. 
but we couldn't get her to like take her first steps forward. And then she kind of, she was like doing her stand up thing and I was holding this thing and I kind of held it up to her and she took one step. She took one step and then she kind of crouched down and caught herself. And, but it was like, that was the little confidence booster. And we were like, oh, we're going to ride this fucking wave, get the camera out. We're going to want to remember this forever. And she started fucking walking. She took, she took all sorts of fucking steps. It was a big day, dude. And I got to be there for it. God, having a little girl is like the coolest fucking, it's also terrifying because there's giant, huge pieces of shit out in the world. My fucking wife we were driving and she just decided to drop a fucking bomb on me this week we were driving oh hey buddy kilo decided to join the fucking podcast today hey bud kilo's my kilo this is my firstborn come here bud i'm gonna show you i'm gonna show you to the people come here you want to hang out with me for the rest of the podcast all right stay fucking quiet don't try to give me kisses on my mouth and don't touch don't touch the microphone jordan and i were driving and she goes I read something either on, oh, I read something on my phone about some piece of shit guy setting up cameras uh, in a women's locker room. And she goes, she just mentions this casually. She just mentions this casually. She goes, my seventh and eighth grade volleyball coach got arrested for recording uh, women in the showers at the KOA campgrounds. And I, she, she said it, she said it drier than I just did. She said it like she was telling me that when she was in the seventh grade, she stopped at McDonald's once. That's how she fucking said it. When I was in the seventh grade, I ate at McDonald's once. When I was in the seventh and eighth grade, my volleyball coach got arrested for recording women in the showers at the KOA campground. And I said, fucking what? Dude, we've been together for a decade. How the fuck have I not heard this story before? And she goes, I don't know. And I'm like, run it which is what I tell her when I say, get into fucking detail. I have time. Run it. And she's like, well, I don't really know what happened. This is a kind of the extent of what I know. And I was like, how the fuck do you not know? How the fuck do you not know? So apparently this guy was like the grounds, not the groundskeeper. He's like the, he controlled all the KOA campgrounds. If you know what the KOA is, you know that it's like an actual collection of campgrounds, like the KOA campgrounds are like established campgrounds it's not just like let's go camp in the fucking woods it's like a campground where rvs and shit can pull into and the koas are everywhere at least where we're from and this guy was like operating this area of the state and he just also happened to be the seventh and eighth grade volleyball coach like what a first of all gross and but she couldn't give me any details and i was like i'm looking this up immediately we're gonna find out front to back what happened in the fucking case First of all, you're from a small town. How was the end of the story not, oh, the town finds out that this guy who coaches their 7th and 8th grade girls volleyball team is recording women in bathrooms. And the end of that story wasn't his body still hanging in the downtown park. How wasn't it they took meat hooks, hooked him into his Achilles, and strung him up at the fucking city hall flagpole? How was that not the end of the story? You're from a small town of 3,000 people in Idaho. There should be pitchforks. Now this guy, the coach, I looked into the entire fucking case. And the case is fucking ridiculous. It is absolutely asinine. And it made me super duper mad. But, you know, out of respect, I'm not going to say, like, I'll keep names out of it. It's Corey. But he got caught because this lady called the cops because she's literally 
in the showers at the KOA. She was toweling off and she looked over at the door and there was a fucking cell phone slid underneath the door with like the camera up. And then it got pulled away real fast when she looked down at the cell phone. So like, obviously from the other side of the door, he slid the phone under and he was looking at the screen. And then when she looked at it, he quickly pulled it away and fucking got in his car and drove away. She called the cops, blah, 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 blah. And then he got, and then he got caught. And he said that that was the one fucking thing. Now here's the thing. The whole problem with it is that, oh, they were planning to move to Utah. So the case got drawn out over like three years. Now, my problem with it was that the article explained the entire fucking deposition. They explained everything that was said, everything that was mentioned, and then they gave the final conclusion. And then I found out what he does now. So he got brought in. He got questioned. He said it was just the one time, blah, blah, blah. His wife has his back. And he described it as a mistake. Narcissism, narcissism uh, through the fucking charts. How, you know who says that it was a mistake? People who get caught, not people who actually feel like they have a problem. If you actually felt like you had a problem, you wouldn't say, oh, it was a mistake. Because all you're saying is, is a mistake that you did it at that moment and you got busted. You're not remorseful over the fact that you were stripping this woman of her privacy. You're upset over the fact you got busted. So narcissism piece of shit, number one. Number two, not an apologetic thing to say. Not an apologetic thing to say. No ownership whatsoever in the sentence. And then as I read through this article, I find out that upon further questioning, as in questioning at a later date, he did finally admit to doing it maybe upwards of 30 times. So he initially lied. So he lied, said it was the one time he lied. Right. And then I don't know how the cops got him to admit it, but or the investigators got him to admit it. But eventually he admitted to doing it upwards of 30 times. And then after lying initially and then coming out with the truth, you find out that he lied about that number. And it could have been upwards of 80 times. He wasn't sure. So we have a problem on our hands here. We have a problem on our hands here in the form of this human being. This is not an isolated incident. This is a person that has a fetish for ruining women's innocence and privacy. So, don't like that. Think about those things, about the fact that I have a daughter, that there's human beings like that out in the world. And then you find out that he got five years probation and spent no time in jail. And then you find out he's working at a national park. So, essentially the same fucking thing with the same type of bathroom situation and he only had to do five years probation. That's the type of shit that scares me about having daughters. Guys like that. Not having the daughter, human beings like that. And the fact that it's so close-knit that it was my fucking wife's seventh and eighth grade coach. It could be anybody. And I don't mean to I don't mean to I don't mean to ruffle your feathers and make you start getting skittish and checking over your shoulder and looking at everybody through slanted eyes like I did after I watched the Truman show when I believed that everyone could be a fucking fake imposter. But you gotta. You can't trust people in this motherfucking game. You can't trust people. You got to vet everybody. And that's kind of fucked up to say because ultimately you should give people the benefit of the doubt. But also when you give people the benefit of the doubt, it sets you up to get let down and or disgusted and or very pissed off. I was angry for like 10 minutes. 
after we talked about that. We were on our way to the doctor's appointment. I just remembered when the conversation happened. We were on our way to the doctor's appointment to check on the status of baby number numero dos, of little girl number two in my wife's belly right now. We were on our way to the doctor when I did a deep dive on some research. So that's where my brain was fucking scrambling around to this week. And it's just, it makes me just wish that the Batman movies were real and a little bit of vigilante justice could happen. Because let's be real, that's not even like the worst thing you could do, right? We all know that there's way severe, way worse type of people. But I think that there needs to be some sort of rule where there's a line drawn and everybody that does egregious acts above that line can get handled by society, not the judicial system. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Actually, I really fucking care, but whatever. I can't do anything about it, so I'm just going to complain about it on my podcast episode 21 of Cheer Up, Babe. Hey, Vincent, cheer up. You're okay. <laughs> whatever. My my daughter, I'm going to train them in hand-to-hand combat. They're going to know jujitsu, Muay Thai, kickboxing. and <laughs> I'm going to strip them of their childhood and make them naturally skeptical of every human being they see. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to play with dolls and shit or whatever the fuck they want to play with. I don't even care. (laughs) Oh man. I'm so excited to teach them things though. Like genuinely, my girls are going to know shit. My girls are going to know how to change oil. My my girls are going to know how to change tires. They're going to know how to build stuff. They're going to know all of that stuff that kind of slides by the wayside. All that stuff that I feel like specifically girls don't really get taught very often. It's like very few and far between that you run into a girl that actually knows her shit. Because it's almost like uh, their parents, when they were bringing them up, are like, well, it's, it's, she's a little girl, you know? And it's like, no, she's going to know all that shit. My grandpa is the one who taught me how to change a fucking tire and change the oil on the tire and how to rotate tires and all that kind of stuff. And I re- have those memories locked in to my fucking brain. Those were Those were more core memories of mine. When Grammy and Papa would come visit, I knew that I got to rotate Papa's tires and change his oil, and it made me so fucking excited to do it because I was young. And now, as an adult, I just realized he got free oil changes and free tire rotations from his grandson. <laughs> Dude, my Papa's better than yours, though, straight up. He let me drive on the freeway when I was 14, and I was aware enough that I didn't hit a bear on the freeway. So, that's a true story that happened. It wasn't only the first time that I had drove on an actual road. I drove on the fucking highway and a bear ran out in front of us and I braked under control and continued on with the drive after the bear crossed because they live in Montana. And the stories about Montana are true. Bears are everywhere. And so is everything else. But that's what my papa let me do. My papa taught me how to change oil, rotate tires, drive on the highway. My papa, dude. Okay, so my papa is... And yeah, I call him Papa. So you're going to hear Papa a lot. I'm not going to say Grandpa because my Grandpa Julio, my dad's real dad, passed away when my dad was nine. So I never got to meet him, which is extremely unfortunate and heartbreaking. But I did have Papa because Papa is who Grammy remarried. And that's who I got to be raised as my grandpa. And he's a pretty fucking cool dude. Now, granted, he definitely has his entire life and world ran by my Grammy. But he also plays video games, okay? 
He plays two video games specifically. He plays NASCAR, which of course he does. His entire basement is Jeff Gordon. Of course. His entire basement is Jeff Gordon slash Dale Earnhardt, not Junior. Dale Earnhardt, the dad, of course. So he, of course, had a PlayStation 2 that he played NASCAR on. And the second game he played was called Max Payne. First of all, the name Max Payne for the video game that I'm about to describe. Max Payne is a video game where you're a guy who's basically a fucking trained killer. Like you, you kill people. It's a shooter game, but the backstory is that your entire family was murdered. So you're sad. So your name is Max Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. And those are the two video games that my grandpa played. Legitimately played them. Legitimately played them. Now, my grandpa doesn't play the video games the way that you and I play video games, where we have an end goal, as in let's complete the video game. My grandpa plays video games. He brings me downstairs to his little fucking man cave he has down there with his PlayStation 2 setup. And he's showing me this game, Max Payne, right? And I'm looking at it and there's like certain story sequences that we're hitting, that we're hitting as we're playing through where I'm like, this is like maybe level three. If I had to guess, if I had to place Max Payne in levels, it would, we would be like level three. And I said, Papa, how long have you had this game? And he said, oh, probably about seven months, eight months. I love it. And I was like, okay, because I'm playing. He's letting me play. So that's why we're progressing through the story. You know how when we play video games, we want to beat them and progress and have goals. When he plays games like Max Payne, he just walks around and checks everything. Like if this was Zelda and the entire point of the fucking game was to literally search every single nook and cranny for every single hidden fucking item and that's how Max Payne was built, he would fucking have a 100% completion rating on Max Payne. That's how he was because he would check closets and stuff that are just built into the game as like aesthetic and then he'd check them again just in case something popped up. So that's how Papa played video games. He didn't play video games with, okay, I understand that I have to go down this hallway. We're going to enter the room on the right. I'm going to kill everybody in the room, and then we're going to progress through the room. Say after he checked every single individual door and every single individual nook and cranny and looked at newspapers on the fucking ground that are literally just there for the aesthetic, but maybe read the newspaper in case there was a hint of something, then eventually he got down to the door on the right and then he went in and he killed anybody he would exit the door from where we came and then recheck that entire area again he just liked to look around that's how he plays video games he drives hard and fast in nascar and he checks all the fucking crevices on max Payne. but that's my papa okay as i got lost in the max Payne explanation you might have been like you might have let that slip away that's my grandpa old playing playstation 2 downstairs at his basement <laughs> To hide from my Grammy. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, fuck. This is this is the most random, random episode. Okay. All right, babe. Hope you're having a good time. Hope you're having fun. Let's do some unqualified dad advice now. Open this bad boy up. We're going to get this bad boy ripping. See if we can help some people on the interwebs. Probably not. Pickle69. Hmm. All right. So... 
I asked out my crush. Now, by the way that they put seven O's at the end of so, I know that this is definitely from a young person and they asked out their crush. First of all, Pickle69, if you're young, don't have the username Pickle69. You don't even understand what it means. I feel like this is either a young person or it's Snooky off of Jersey Shore and this is Pickle69 that's asked out their crush. First of all, congratulations. That's awesome. It's a big step. It takes a lot of confidence to ask out your crush. Good work. I'm on summer camp and I asked out my crush and she turned out to be a lesbian and now the situation is awkward. What do I do? So Pickle69 is a boy and he's, and he's at summer camp, fucking dork, and asked out his crush at summer camp and his crush lied and said she was a lesbian and now it's awkward. <laughs> Pickle69 was not what his crush had wanted out of a partner. So in her stuck brain... His crush immediately went, okay, I'm at summer camp. It's not like I can just escape this person. I'm going to have to see him every single day. So what should I say? I'm a lesbian. So that eliminates completely. She can't She can't drop the, I'm just not into you or, oh, I'm not interested because it's going to hurt his feelings, but he's going to stay on the task. But if you just hit, her with the, hit him with the, I'm a lesbian, off the table, off the table. It's kind of how it should be if you approach a guy and he says, I'm married. It should be off the table. Because lesbians and married men are the same fucking thing. So, Pickle69, you're on summer camp. That's a negative point for you. And then you got turned down by your crush. That's a negative two points for you. The situation isn't awkward. Laugh and move on because life is funny. If she actually is a lesbian, there's nothing you could do about that. You think you're going to flip her on summer camp? Now, I would say as a guy who's never been to a summer camp before but has definitely seen movies, summer camps are where people experiment. Maybe you could make a little Pickle69 sandwich. Lie down the pickle 69. Jaffeel? Sure hope that helped. Scroll. Stop. My high. I'm trying to protect my younger siblings, but I'm scared and I don't know what to do. All right. We're just going to open this one right up because I want to know ages and situations. So my mom has been having an affair for a while now. Ooh. I, an 18-year-old female. Okay. Discovered it when she left her phone on the table and I saw she was texting another man and calling him, quote, love. Mm. I kept that to myself because I don't know what else to do. My sister, 11, came today crying to my room saying that she saw my mom taking pictures naked in the bathroom and sending them to someone else. She told me that she saw her with another man when me and my brother weren't around, sitting in his lap, calling him love and even kissing. She kept that to herself, too. God damn. Mom, hoeing. Mom, getting that dick. Okay, she kept it to herself too. My mom and sister usually sleep together, but she said she didn't feel comfortable to sleep with her tonight and wanted to sleep with me. I knew my... Okay, so hold on. Hold on. Let's just break that down for a second. So, so far our characters in this in the plot are two sisters and a mom, and the mom is sending naked pictures and calling some guy love and then also oh wait no we had a little brother right because the little sister said something about when the little brother were out of town sitting in his lap and stuff so mom be fucking but then it says my sister and mom usually sleep together like in the same bed but she doesn't want to so she asked if she could sleep with me so far dad has not been brought up 
So that's interesting. And also, where's dad in the bed? But maybe we'll find that out. My mom and sister usually sleep together, but she said she didn't feel comfortable to sleep with her tonight and wanted to sleep with me. I knew my mom would be mad, so I blocked my door and laid my sister in bed. My mom tried to enter to get my sister, but I said no, no, and no. She's very mad now. She tried to ask my brother, who's 13, but I told her to leave him alone, and she had nothing to do with this. Oh, and he had nothing to do with this. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. I try to look calm in front of my siblings, but I want to cry too. I'm very sad and scared for my siblings' safety. We don't have more family to go to since it's summer. There aren't teachers to talk to either. And on top of that, my mom has been lying to my sister's therapist, saying that our dad treats us badly. And my sister had no other option than following that story. What should I do? Hold on one sec. I want to check one thing. So a lot of times you can like scroll down and people will probably ask questions. Because my question is, where's the fuck is the dad? Oh, here we go. Where is your father? He's working right now. He works a lot, so we don't see him often. Okay, so mom is hussying. Well, how do you know that mom isn't sending the pictures to dad? Oh, right, right, right. Because the love and then you saw a different name. Right, right, right. And then also the sister saw her sitting on the guy's lap calling him love and kissing. Okay, my bad. My recall is at 0%. I'm pretty sure that I have a brain aneurysm. So mom's hoeing having an affair. You're 18, babe. So you, as the older sister, need to take on the responsibility for your siblings because your mom is being selfish and not caring about your family. That's what you got to do. Um, I would say that you need to muster up some courage and confront your mom about it. Now, if you're scared of your mom, if this is a dangerous situation where you feel like your mom would get physical, then maybe don't do that. But if, if, if you feel like you would be able to either hold your own or confront the situation without that being the situation that it gets led to, you need to confront your mom and call her out on her bullshit because it's bullshit. If you're, if you're scared though, and this sucks, this sucks, but it's kind of the role of the oldest sibling. And this is coming from me, the oldest brother. It's your job to take the reins and talk to dad about it. I think that's what you got to do. And who knows, if he works a lot and you do, he does not home, maybe you have to time it in case he needs to be home at a quick time. And if that's a possibility, you need to tell dad about it because... You guys are living in a cancer system right now where it's all lies and deceit and you're literally watching the matriarch, the person that you look up to, the person that's supposed to be raising you, the person that you're supposed to be getting your fundamental life lessons from as having an affair on your father, cheating behind his back and lying and sending naked pictures and shit to another person. So you need to tell your dad because it's not your situation to deal with the consequences of, it's their shit. Sounds like your mom's trying to step out. Maybe she's resentful over the fact that dad is has a job that keeps him away from home. Even though he's providing for your family, sometimes that's not enough. And so your mom's lashing out rather than just handling her own fucking shit. But you know about it. You're the oldest sibling. You need to tell dad about it or confront your mom if you are uncomfortable with that. But listen, the bottom line is your mom made her decisions. So it's not like any sort of split or divorce or anything that happens... <laughs> from here would be your fault. It's your mom's fault 100% completely based off of these actions. I don't know what their actual marriage and relationship is like. It could be dual blame, but 
based off of the actions your mom made her decisions. And now she has to lay in the bed that she made. She has to deal with the consequences. She has to full circle it. So you just have to step up to the plate and be the person that gets the ball rolling, essentially, unfortunately. Good luck. I hope it's okay. Scroll. Stop. Lily4F. Is tracking your significant other healthy for the relationship? It depends on what you do it for. Genuinely. So the job that I do on Saturdays and Sundays is a haphazard job, meaning there's no set time frame. I can sometimes be home at 3. I can sometimes be home at 7. It just kind of is what it is. And my wife knows that I don't like to be asked what time I'm going to be home because I don't know until about an hour before and it becomes frustrating for me and then I feel guilty and it's just kind of one of those things. So she has the thing where she'll track to see where I'm at and if I'm on my way back to the terminal, she knows that I could be home in 30 minutes and if I'm not, then she knows to expect maybe an hour or two. So we use it for that. It just depends on if it's malicious or not. It just depends if if it's coming from a place of distrust. If it's coming from a place of convenience, no. I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. But if it's coming from a place of malicious distrust, yeah. If you're like, where the fuck are you? Are you at Becky's house? I don't think that's weird. But here's another issue. If you're doing it in that manner, if you're tracking because you have distrust, Maybe you need to turn the fucking camera around to yourself and be like, what's inside my brain that's causing this distrust? Because if there hasn't been a distrust action, there should be no reason for the distrust. So if you are tracking them because you distrust them, it means that you see yourself in that and that you could possibly see yourself doing that. So let's open this up and let's see. Lily4F, my girlfriend expressed her wish to install tracking apps to each other's phones for security reasons. I initially refused because I thought it would be for tracking, which I found invasive. Right now we are on a break because we did not come to a common conclusion. (laughs) I did give her some reasons to lose trust in me, but I made myself clear that I'm not the guy that cheats and I feel like she got that idea. Parentheses, first relationship I've ever had, but also long term, which made me change quite a bit since we started dating. I became somehow better. Now, I have no problem with being tracked other than being somehow humiliated and feeling it somehow invasive and rotten in a relationship. I need no judgment for me or for her. I just want to know if I'm in the wrong here and what should I do? I want to get another point of view on it. Yeah, you're in the wrong. Um, if she's, I don't know, the whole security reasons is weird. But, you know, situationally, it's just, I don't know. We use it. We use it for fucking convenience. Like, if she's at her fucking friend Brittany's house, and I know that, I don't want to call and interrupt her. So, say I get home from work, I'll just check, see if she's still at Brittany's. If she's not at Brittany's, I I, I give her a call and ask her when she's going to be home. That's really the extent of that. So, it's like, if you're using it for convenience, fine. Security reasons is weird. You fucking, are you on the run from the goddamn mafia? What if I get kidnapped and slapped into a trunk? You should be able to track me so that you can follow the car. What the fuck do you, what what the fuck is that? It's either malicious or it's convenient. And if you guys are also on a break, like this is fucking friends, listen, Ross, this argument is not about the tracking. It's about 
the trust. If you guys literally got into such a big argument that you couldn't come to a conclusion about this situation, it's not about the tracking. It's about the trust. Something is off there. You need to fix it. You need to have a conversation about, a brutally honest conversation about the trust. Because if there's not trust in a relationship, there's nothing. Trust is literally the foundation of it all. So dig a layer deeper and stop looking at it as just a tracking app on your phone. Okay, babe? Cool. And I I know we're on a roll right now, but I have a feeling like a, a shitty one that's going to get me to end this motherfucking episode is coming up because last week we, we got asked about a pigeon's foot and I just couldn't fucking do it. So scroll, stop. Please, someone help. Someone hacked my Instagram account and is threatening to send everyone I know a nude unless I paid them almost $500 in an Amazon gift card. What do I do? There it is. Good luck with that. All right, babe. This is Cheer Up, Babe, the podcast, episode 21. I hope you have a good time. My face is a fucking city, but I hope that you don't hate me as much as I hate fucking my congestion. I hope that you were able to power through it with me. I hope you had a good time. I hope you had fun. We talked about quite a bit. You know, we had a, we had a, we had a, we had a blasty blast on episode 21. I hope that we set your week up to have a great time. We had a little bit of fucking true crime in the middle there. We talked about my dope ass papa. We definitely ripped on Big B and then gave him props at the end because he showed growth. And we love seeing growth. If we love seeing anything, we love seeing growth. As the Cubs, we're all about growth. We're all about dogging people. Listen, some people need to get bullied for stupid decisions. Have you seen fucking people on social media? Some people need to get bullied so that they realize they need to grow. Okay, babe. (laughs) I hope you guys have a great week. Go out there. Don't be a bummer and cheer up, babe.